as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I'm Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot uh, we got two movies for you this week uh, We've got the, uh, it's being billed as a horror movie, uh, Get Out and then, of course, we've got Logan, which it's really cool. We get to talk about this most of the time with movies. We can't discuss them until the day of release, but uh, our embargo's lifted, and we can spend a good amount of time on that. And then stay tuned to the end, because we've got the Academy Awards in just a couple days, and Andy and I are going to go over uh, the big categories and talk about uh, who or what we think will win, uh, our predictions, and if we disagree, maybe what we think should win. But... Uh, Andy, you're going to go ahead and take point with Get Out because they didn't show it to us. And I actually, literally at the time we're recording this, I'm supposed to be at a theater watching it. uh, But we know how work likes to get in the way and cause problems. So I I had to miss that. But I really want to see this. So hopefully, Andy, what you have to say will make me even more excited. Yeah, work is just the worst sometimes. I know. This this is great. Uh, Get Out is currently on Rotten Tomatoes at 100%. That's fairly rare. And there's a really good reason why it's rated as high as it is. Uh, This is uh, a horror film, although I would call it more of a thriller than an actual horror. And uh, in terms of it being a horror movie, this is much more in the vein of The Twilight Zone, Hitchcock, old school horror, um, the original Night of the Living Dead, and I'll come back to why that is in a moment. But the genesis of this movie and why it's so interesting is this is from Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. of Key and Peele. Which so you wouldn't expect this kind of movie from him. You'd think maybe like a Keanu or something kind of like yep. that. Yeah, exactly. But he is a huge fan of horror, and if you know Key and Peele's comedy, you know that... Uh, he's got a lot to say about race relations and what being black is all about in America. So you've got this, you've got this great movie. I mean, very typical story. Chris uh, is going away for the weekend with his girlfriend, Rose and uh, Rose's parents are very well to do and live in this exclusive neighborhood up in the Hills on a lake. And pretty much everyone there is white. And the only people who aren't white are either servants or very, very docile. Like, Stepford docile. It's weird. It is (laughs) creepy. And there is stuff going on. And, of course, he encounters all of the weirdness and kind of casual racism that you would expect uh, from her parents, who are played by Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener. And they're great, and they, they go out of their way to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not racist. Uh, Obama was our greatest president, and I, I would vote for him a third term if I could. <laughs> and uh, They're really going out of their way to try and say how great they are. But there's stuff going on behind the veil, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because that's what the mystery is, and that's all you need to know. There's stuff going on. It's really great. Chris is played by Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who, if if you remember, there's a really great episode of Black Mirror, the one with the, the exercise bikes and the reality TV show. Mm-hmm. That's him, the main guy. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and he's amazing in this. In fact, everyone in this movie is amazing. 
Catherine Keener is at the top of her game. Bradley Whitford. Oh my gosh, Bradley Whitford should be in everything. That guy's just amazing. And uh, Stephen Root shows up in a very small part and threatens to steal the movie as a blind art dealer. Yes, there's irony in that. Yes, it has something to do with the movie. It's really cool what's going on. But there's so much here. You can enjoy this movie on just the surface level as a kind of horror thriller. And then you can look at it at a deeper level of really smart social commentary. And everything gets touched on in here. From from the most casual of racism, uh, unintentional racism, to cultural appropriation, and uh, the way police treat black people differently. It's all across the spectrum. This movie has a lot to say, and I, I compared this to the original Night of the Living Dead, which, if you remember at the time, was pretty groundbreaking in the fact that that was a black man and a white woman in a house alone fending off zombies. That was a big deal, and George Romero was saying a lot about society in that movie. Jordan Peele's doing the same thing. Really cool. I love this movie. Its first half kind of slowly takes off. It takes it a while for it to ramp up. It's really the only complaint I have, but Peele's got a really cool visual sense. And he also um, brings some humor in to temper the tension. One of the best things he does is he's got this, like, meta-commentary going on with one of his characters, who's Chris's best friend, and he's he's like the commentary track on the DVD, if it was like Grandpa from the Boondocks or, <laughs> or someone like that, who's like, oh hell no you can't trust those white people don't go in the house, I told you not to go in the house, why'd you do that? And it's great it's so perfect, it's really funny and um, and and it also has a lot to say about movies and about the theater-going experience that you have that voice in the movie. So hopefully when you go to see it, uh, you don't have other people uh, commenting and yelling at the screen. You've already got that in the movie. It's really cool. So I loved it. Uh, eight and a half out of ten. Great. Oh, nice. Yeah, everyone go check this out. Um I, I don't know how appealing this might be to everyone, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Cool. Well, again, it, it's one I've wanted to see, and I've seen one trailer, because I, I, I do like to go into movies blind. I mean, obviously, like your Guardians of the Galaxy and your, your big tentpole movies, you, you kind of seek those out, but for the most part, I like not knowing stuff, so the, the information you gave me is kind of fun, because I, I didn't realize it had the whole running commentary and that sounds really fun so yeah, yeah. nice well this is it's on my list and uh hopefully this weekend i will get a chance to run out and see that yeah but the big kahuna the big kahuna yeah so this is the one that i know i've been excited about for a long time andy you have too uh oh, yeah. this would be logan which is uh gosh hugh jackman's been doing this for nearly 20 years i think it's 17 years or 18 years this year uh, of playing the character wolverine in all the X-Men movies, he's been in pretty much every single one, even if it was just maybe a small cameo or you know a five-minute take. But this is based very, very, very loosely on the Old Man Logan comic series by uh, Mark Millar, uh, in the sense that it's just Old Man Logan. <laughs> it's not so much that there's any 
there's much of the comic going on. But uh, yeah, the story takes place 2029, and we don't really know what happens at the beginning. All we know is that there haven't been any new mutants for the last at least a decade, and Logan is working as a limousine driver and living south of the border in Mexico with a very, very aged and uh, professor Charles Xavier, once again played by Patrick Stewart, who seems to be showing signs of dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, they keep him drugged up to keep his powers in check. Uh, and along with them, they've got uh, the mutant Caliban, who we saw briefly in... Or Caliban, who we saw briefly in uh, Apocalypse, played by Stephen Merchant. And the three of them are kind of doing their own thing uh, until one day... Uh, while Logan's out doing his job, he gets uh, kind of like an Uber tab, limousine service. Gets called over and by a middle-aged woman who tells her that, Hey, there's this young girl. I need you to get her to North Dakota. She's special. Uh, and this girl is Laura, played wonderfully by Daphne Keene. And she's like, Please, I will give you all this money. Just get her to North Dakota because she has to get to Canada. And Logan's like, No, I, I left all this behind. I want nothing to do with this. And that's all I'm really going to say because this movie is something you have to experience for yourself. You've got to get in there, let the story unfold, and kind of watch how it happens. Um, now, I absolutely loved it, but Andy, let's let's hear your take on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's not to love? This was amazing. And I think the thing that I liked so much about this was how really smart it is. It's not your typical superhero movie, and that's not to put down superhero movies at all. But at the same time, they're a little bit formulaic. There's a big bad guy, the people have to figure out a mystery, and they have to go out and they have to fight them. Here, the bad guys are basically themselves. Wolverine is facing you know, a world of trying to figure out who he is and what his purpose is. You know, if you think about it, he's lived since the time of before the Civil War, and he's been alive for all of that. And he's, um, and he's seeing Charles Xavier, who he's spent, you know, the last 50, 60 years with, and who's been this mentor, and he's trying to take care of him. And then this girl is thrust into his life, and they form this beautiful little family unit. And all of them have to take care of each other. Because Logan needs taken care of. And Professor X needs taken care of. And the girl needs taken care of. It's really, really beautiful. And they have to figure out what's going on. And uh, what their place is in this brave new world. The uh, I think one of the starkest most interesting things about the film is it seems very real it seems very now mm -hmm. it, uh, the fact that there's there's just little bits and pieces of, of things all over the place like suddenly casinos are everywhere and suddenly there's a giant US Mexico border wall and it's a tourist destination and people are coming in to like <laughs> yell at the Mexicans <laughs> there's little things in there that you're like oh this is the darkest timeline I get what's going on this is uh, not good and it's but it's not an apocalyptic timeline it's it's just bad and everything's really crappy for everyone mm -hmm. and 
I think that says something about us, about humanity, which is what the X-Men series has always done best. And geez, director James Mangold here is just doing his absolute best to put an interesting film on screen that is gorgeous and uses the scenery of the Great Plains and the Mountain West to uh, basically make not a superhero movie, but a modern Western with, instead of Logan as uh, the samurai, which is kind of what he was trying to do in uh, the Wolverine, the last movie. Yeah. But here, Wolverine is the gunslinger, and he's got to take care of the kid. And um, if you haven't seen the classic Western Shane, you're either going to want to see it before you see this movie, or have it ready to watch immediately after. I mean, there's clips in the movie, so... (laughs) Yeah, there's clips in the movie of them watching Shane, and there's, but there's, like, real emotional resonance, and if you've seen Shane, and if you know what's going on, there's some really cool stuff in there. And that's what I loved, was he didn't just make a superhero movie. He made a modern Western that had a ton to say about what's going on now, in 2017. And it's amazing. Yeah, you, you mentioned that this is, uh, it's not post-apocalyptic. It, it is, gosh, a, a scant, what, 12 years away from today. So this is this is neat because this is definitely the future, but it's not the future all of Back to the Future 2, which I, I love and I have no problem with. But we're not seeing you know, flying cars. We're not seeing instant meals from a pill. Uh, you can tell that there's some modern technology that's come and you know, improve things. But this is a very gritty, lived-in, uh, weary world. It was funny because after we saw I, I had texted you and you mentioned that uh, after seeing this, it made John Wick Chapter 2 seem like a comic book movie because that was so over-the-top and, you know, with his blood and gore and everything else. And yes, even though this is technically a comic book movie... What I have said was, no, it's, it's a movie that just happens to have superheroes in it. And exactly. The superheroes that are in it, uh, if you go to Big Shiny Robot and you read the, the roundtable we did with uh, the two of us and Brian Young, I think it was you who mentioned that, but they're not all that super. I mean, you've got Wolverine who, you know, he's getting older. Things aren't working the way they're supposed to. I mean, you find in the first couple minutes that, you know, he's, he's kind of wearing out and, you know... The, the superpowers he has aren't really all that super anymore. You've got Charles Xavier, who is slowly losing his mind, whether to dementia, Alzheimer's, or something, but he can't control himself. And then other characters, there's, there's no one that's super here. Yes, they're they're augmented in a sense. They can do things that you or I couldn't, but they're just trying to get along and, and make life happen the best they can. I mean, they're not going out on these you know awesome quests and trying to save the world. And it's fun, too, because in this movie, they actually have X-Men comics that are based supposedly on the adventures they had, you know, from the last couple decades. And even Wolverine, when he holds up one of them, he's like, you know, don't believe what you see in here. Maybe a tenth of it happened, and of that, maybe half of it was actually true. So the people in this world are looking back and seeing with affection on these superheroes who don't exist anymore. It just, it's, it's a very... As much as the main characters are mutants, it's a very human movie. And you mentioned that there's this, you know, Laura, Logan, and Xavier are this little family. And the one scene that I, that just kind of blew my mind was, uh, 
Logan's taking care of the professor, and there's a scene where Xavier has to use the restroom. So he, Logan's helping him because Xavier physically can't do it. And as much as they're arguing and bickering and kind of yelling at each other, you can sense there's that love there that like of like almost like father son or you know mentor to student. Even though technically speaking, Logan's probably about what a hundred years or more older than Xavier. Something and like that, yeah. it's the little moments like that that are peppered throughout this movie that make it rise above your normal, oh, let's go see explosions and people with claws, you know, kill people. Which, there is people with claws killing people. I mean, this is a very oh, hard yeah. R movie. This is one one of the more violent things I've ever seen. Uh, but it, that's almost like the side thought. That that's not the main driving focus of what Logan is about. And it's, it's absolutely wonderful. It's beautiful. It's it's so well written. I mean, and the acting is great too. I mean, Wolverine, played once again by Hugh Jackman, and what he said will be his last time doing it. Um, was in an interview and said, "I couldn't have done what I did in this movie if it wasn't my last time. If I didn't know going in, this is the last time I'm doing this because he is. I've never seen him act better than this. He's acting his heart out. He's putting everything he has into this character. Um, everyone does. I mean, uh, Patrick Stewart is always great." Again, wonderful. He'll, here's Xavier, but the biggest thing is uh, young Daphne Keene, who plays Laura. Uh, wow! You know, yeah, as they they show in the trailer, she doesn't speak much, and she doesn't speak much in the movie. And for her to do as much as she does and carry the character without even opening her mouth and still conveying equally as much emotion as Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, who have been doing this for decades, uh, that this young girl can hold her own against veterans. Um, is nothing short of astounding. I mean, I can't wait to see what she does next. Uh, she's she's going to do great things. Just all you're absolutely right about the acting, and they don't normally give Oscars for these superhero movies, which is a shame. Which is a shame because Patrick Stewart, especially, wow. I mean, he's he's just so old and he's so feeble, but he's so caring and he's so kind. But he's he's also kind of a grumpy old man, and there's he just walks this really beautiful line, and it's it's just so amazing. I, I think the movie that I would compare this to, although it's nothing like it at all, is Deadpool. In that, Deadpool was not your typical superhero movie either. It was a satire of a superhero movie. It was making fun of superhero movies. In the same way, this completely subverts the superhero genre and makes it something so totally different. And it just becomes this character drama. And in the same way that Get Out had so much to say about in terms of social commentary, this movie maybe has even more. I mean, there's a very good reason why Donald Blake and his team of Reavers, uh, why he is a Southern gentleman and he's chasing down a little Mexican girl. Like, let's let's put that out there. <laughs> let's, yeah, and let's just be upfront and blunt with that. <laughs> that. Because that is exactly what this is about. That is that is exactly what they're saying. And uh, and And I won't give away the spoilers as to... Uh, her origins and what's going on, but there's so much in there with what 
I mean, that's how our society would actually treat mutants and what they would do and, and what would happen. And it's so brilliant and it's chilling and it should make us all stop and think and make us all stop and think about the exploitation of children all around the world in the name of, uh, you know, big business and, and so on and so forth. It's, it's just absolutely amazing, and I, I can't shut up about this movie because it's, so, it's just so beautiful. The cinematography alone, jeez. Oh, yeah, easy. The, the fact that they go from, you know, Mexico and this uh, desert environment, and they go up through the Great Plains and up into North Dakota, they capture all of the elements of the American West. And one of the great things about Westerns is how the, the great Westerns really capture that sense of the space and the horizon and the land and what it looks like. That was one of the things that I loved so much about seeing Hell or High Water was how it really captured the, um, the bleakness and the depression that was in this land and the desperation that that caused for the characters. And in the same way, Mangold is able to capture the essence of the West and what's going on. Um, and, and some of the people that they meet along their way um, at, you know, engaged in uh, farming and industrial agriculture and their problems that they have going on goes back to that same message about, you know, global economic capitalism and exploitation of labor. And... Uh, and and the fact that it is a black family that they're talking to is also not lost on me <laughs> and uh, is obviously also very intentional in what they're saying here. There's so many layers, so, so many layers. And I haven't seen another superhero movie uh, that, that does this, and that's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, so in case you haven't figured this out yet, <laughs> go see this movie as soon as it comes out. Uh just, just so you're aware, when we went and saw it, there was no mid or post credit scene, but uh, they did add three minutes to the runtime, so there is one now. No clue where it's going to happen, so I would recommend sitting through the entire credits. But yeah, this is, you know, when we were trying to rate this for Big Shiny, uh, the conversation came up as far as you know, where do you rank this in your in your X Men movies, and. You know the the three that always the two that always popped to my mind before this were well the three actually were X two first class and Days of Future Past. So the question is you know where does this now kind of rank up there? And my problem is that I've I've always kind of been like first class X two Days of Future Past, and this one's up there vying kind of switching back and forth with first class for which is my favorite X Men movie from the whole series. Uh, so. As of right now, I can't tell you. I mean, it depends on my mood during the day. <laughs> but I will tell you, this is amazing. It's majestic. It's a fitting capstone to the X-Men film legacy, which I'm sure they're probably going to reboot or do new things from here. Uh, but I'm, I'm at a 10. I loved it. I couldn't change one thing about it. And I will happily go and drop good money to go see this again when it comes out. Yeah, I need to see this again because, yes. again... The layers. There's so there's so much that I know I missed the first time through because you're kind of sitting there slack jawed, just like, what am I watching? Holy crap! But yeah, there's yeah. 
again, there's layers and layers, and I, I'm excited to peel them back and see what new things I can discover next time. And uh, one of the things that I was slack-jawed about was the violence in this movie, and I, I compared this to Deadpool, and the way that this film deals with its on-screen R-rated violence, this is real. It is... Um, it's it's horrible in a lot of ways, and violence is treated in the way that movie violence should be treated, and it's it's great. And they even spend time talking about it and talking yeah. about killing and the burden that that has placed on Logan throughout all the years. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the same place. I think I. I'm still X2, first class, and then I think Logan fits in right there with first class, maybe a little bit under. Again, depends on my mood. This might be my second favorite. I think we'll, we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out a few more times. Um, but yeah, I'm at I'm not a, at a perfect ten because I there were a couple little things um, that I'm still taking points off for. Nothing major. But nine out of ten, and I I can't recommend this enough. Yeah, well, and again, for anyone who's yelling at their their radio right now, the nine out of ten is a good score, and it's and I agree that when I was watching it, uh, in the middle there was a couple points where it dragged a little bit, but then for me it was the the strengths of everything else made up for that. So yeah, yeah, it's but either which way, go see this. This is amazing. Uh, I I cannot wait. I mean, I know. It's kind of funny to say, like, oh, I have to wait a week to go see it again when everyone else is like, dang it, we just want to go see it. Uh, But to make up for that, you have to understand that we also had to go see Fist Fight and Fifty Shades Darker. So that was our penance for getting to see this early. Um, So, but yeah, that's our, you know, strong recommend this week is uh, Logan, which comes out next week. But until then, definitely check out Get Out. But before you can go see Logan, we all get to watch the Academy Awards, which is Sunday night. Uh, which is always kind of fun, and half the fun is trying to figure out what's going to win and guessing uh, which movie is going to get snubbed or ignored. So Andy and I have decided to uh, do a brief rundown of our new uh, top ten kind of categories. Uh, picture, director, the acting uh, categories, writing, uh, and then also animated movie and song. And briefly discuss you know, what movie uh, or who we think is going to win, and if we don't think they should have won or shouldn't win uh we'll also go over uh who we think should have so to kind of kick things off uh we'll do best original song so the nominees are um audition from la la land can't stop the feeling from trolls city of stars from la la land so we got two two nominations from the same movie uh the empty chair uh from jim the james foley story and finally how far i'll go uh from moana so th- this is kind of a tough one because they're all amazing songs. Uh, I really think the Academy will go with How Far I- I'll Go uh, for the simple reason that if Lin-Manuel Miranda gets this, uh, not only will he get his EGOT, he'll also get his PGOT because he won the Pulitzer as well. And I think that's something they want to kind of re- reward him with. I'm really torn because that song is amazing and I love Moana. Uh, however, for me, the best song this year was uh, Audition because that is the song that kind of fully encapsulates everything about La La Land. And my I'm torn also because the the people who wrote that, uh, Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, 
are also the composers for the most amazing new musical on Broadway called Dear Evan Hansen, which, if you follow me on Facebook, you know I've been obsessed with for the last year. Yep. And uh, the way this is going with them is that if they win here, that will probably take them to their EGOT as well because it's looking to win all the new awards coming up. So I still think it's going to go with how far I'll go, uh, and I'd be happy for that, but I really hope uh, uh, Audition is the one that lands it. I think How Far I'll Go will win. Um, I still think the best song from a movie this year was Drive It Like You Stole It from Sing Street, and that wasn't even <laughs> nominated. So uh, we'll we'll go with that. Next category. Uh, so best animated film. So a feature film, because I haven't seen the shorts. Uh, this year we've got Kubo and the Two Strings, yeah. Moana, My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and Zootopia. So Andy, what are your picks? Well... I'm thinking that Zootopia is going to win. Uh, I, I've been reading up some of the uh, sites that have been doing Oscar predictions and trying to base it off of like computer-based models and so on. Good argument for Zootopia winning in terms of the other awards it's picked up. I'm still going to go with Kubo and the Two Strings for what I think should be the best animated feature. Yeah, and I'm with you on that too. Uh, Zootopia is the one I, I'm, I'm pegging to win. Uh, it's kind of come from behind because most people didn't really consider it like you know, the award winner this year. But reading up on it, looking around, that is the one that's kind of pulling ahead. Uh, I loved Kubo a lot. I think Moana was a tiny bit better. But at mm-hmm. the same time, uh, in the same way that Return of the King won the best picture for Peter Jackson kind of as a, as a reward for the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy, I really want to see Leica Studios win something. I mean, they've... They've been the underdog for, for forever now, and it's time they finally got recognized. So I would be tickled pink if Kubo won, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think Zootopia is going to be the one yeah. to take. Because uh, I think the Academy is basically begging someone to make a statement politically charged against Donald Trump. And if it's from the movie about cute cartoon animals... <laughs> they can get away with that. <laughs> they can get away with it. Because Meryl Streep is not going to win an Oscar. Um, spoiler alert. And so she won't be able to give that speech. And so I think they're... they're or, or maybe Lin-Manuel will. So another reason why maybe um, that will win for, for best song. Yeah, so... And honestly, if Lin-Manuel gets up there and wants to make a speech about that, uh, I'll be I'll be fully happy about that because his love is love is love speech is um, actually what um, one of our panels at uh, Fanex coming up is about. So <laughs> That's like a classic award show speech. There are like five award show speeches ever that are worth anything, and that's one of them. Anyway, uh, best original screenplay, best adapted screenplay? Uh, yeah, let's do let's best original. So... Uh, up for Best Original Screenplay, we've got Hell or High Water, La La Land, The Lobster, Manchester by the Sea, and 20th Century Woman. I think what's going to take it, and I think it's going to sweep a lot this year, uh, is La La Land. Uh, it's it's kind of up there as the one to beat. Uh, I don't think it's going to take all the awards like as far as setting a record for all the nominations. Uh, so, and, and La La Land was my favorite movie of the year, so I'll be very happy if it does. However, I, I think Manchester by the Sea did have a slightly better script uh, because it is such a personal drama. Uh, that would be the one that I think should take it. But again, that being said, I love La La Land, so I'm, I'm perfectly happy if, if that wins it as well. Uh, and, and see, I'm the other way around. I think Manchester by the Sea will win, um, but I think Hell or High Water should win because I thought that script was great. 
if just for that final scene between uh, Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges. But um, I, I think La La Land is going to sweep more of the higher awards, and so I think they'll give screenplay to Best Original, uh, Best Original Screenplay to Manchester and Kenneth Lonergan as kind of a consolation prize. Yeah, and, and cause that, that could be too, because as we get further up the list, I don't see Manchester taking too much more. But, so that, that's Best Original, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, we've got Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, Lion, and Moonlight. So this is an interesting one, because uh, one of the ways I do research is looking at how the different guilds and the the unions kind of vote. Mm-hmm. And for this one, uh, Moonlight was actually uh, one best original screenplay from the Writers Guild, and Arrival won best adapted. So now I'm kind of like, well, crap. That's, <laughs> there's where my, my my choices normally come from. So um, I think I'm going to go with Arrival as far as what will win, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's. You know, sci-fi normally doesn't get much love from the Academy, but this is really heady sci-fi, uh, and kind of pulls in with the whole, you know, the goodness of humankind, which we seem to be lacking a lot of. So I think they're going to re- reward it for that. Uh, it's also the one that I think should win because Arrival being my second favorite movie of the year, I, that was the movie I got out, and I was like speechless for 20 minutes because I had to kind of uh, digest and kind of pose myself with everything I just saw. So. Um, I'm going with Arrival for both. Yeah, I and and I think the same thing. I think Arrival should win. I think they're gonna give it to Moonlight though, because like you said, with the they already won at the the Writers Guild, and for the same reason with um, why Manchester will win Best Original, La La Land is going to win more of the upper awards. So they're gonna uh, toss a bone to Barry Jenkins and and say your movie's still really good and we appreciate you. So here's an Oscar. Cool. Um, Best Supporting Actress, we've got Viola Davis for Fences, uh, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Nicole Kidman for Lion, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. Andy, what are your picks? Uh, I think Viola Davis is going to run away with it, even though I'm still saying that's not a supporting actress. She's a... that. That she, she should win for best actress, not for best supporting. Actress. And we have we have another conversation about Jeff Bridges coming up too. So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> the same conversation. So. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, I I'm going with Viola Davis. She absolutely owned that role, uh, and it didn't hurt that she had a lot of uh, a lot of practice doing it on Broadway. So, nope. but yeah, she, the, every single moment she's on screen, she's electrifying. Uh, so that's who I think should win and will win. If Naomi Harris won, though, I wouldn't be disappointed because she was fantastic as well in Moonlight. So, uh, you know, every all of them were amazing, and, and that's oh, yeah. what's so hard. I think actually this is the strongest category, and I actually think the best actress category is kind of weak. Um, and and I think all of the best performances are in the best supporting actress category. If Viola Davis were in the best actress category. I'd say Naomi Harris or Michelle Williams, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as it is, she's just she's just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then also going over to Best Supporting Actor, we've got uh, Marshala Ali for Moonlight, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, uh, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel for Lion, and Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. Uh, I'm going with uh, Marshala Ali for who they're going to pick. Yeah. I mean, the, the brief time that he's in Moonlight, he's amazing. Uh, yeah. he's in it gosh probably about the same amount of time that uh, 
Anthony Hopkins was in Silence of the Lambs, not to compare those two roles, but it just shows how much one character can make such a huge impact on a movie when done the right way. And what's amazing with him is that you look at great performances and you don't see the actor anymore, you just see the character they're portraying and he completely disappears into that character. So um, he's my pick for should win and will win. Jeff Bridges should not have been in this category. He should have been best actor, but that yeah. was the studio. Uh, but I am really, really excited to see uh, where Lucas Hedges is going because he was one of the best parts of Manchester by the Sea, and uh, I think he's got a really, really good career ahead of him. Yeah, uh, Marshall Ali, I think, will win and should win. Uh, if I mean, just think about the year that he has had not only with Moonlight, which is the capstone on that, but he was brilliant in Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant in Hidden Figures. And, you know, like you said, an, an actor disappearing into their role, he got three very different, very meaty roles and did very good jobs with them. Well, actually, his, his role in Hidden Figures was kind of underwritten. That's okay. Wasn't his story. Didn't need to be. He was still great in it. So, uh, hats off to Marshala Ali. He deserves all the praise and um, many more Oscars in the future, no doubt. Cool. All right, so we're almost done here. We get our, our last four left. So, best actress, we've got uh, Isabel Hubbard as Elle, Ruth Nega and Loving, Natalie Portman in Jackie, Emma Stone in La La Land, and of course, because there's a seat engraved with her butt, Meryl mm-hmm. Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Yeah. Emma Stone should win, will win. Yeah, she that, was. She was. Yeah, she was perfect in La La Land, and you know they've 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 been looking for a reason to give her an award for a while, and I, I thought she would have gotten it for uh, Birdman, but this year there's yeah she's she's ripe for it, she's ready for it, and she was fantastic. Ruth Nega was great and loving, but Emma Stone just she just owned La La Land, and I, I think this is La La Land's year, and that she's she's gonna get it. So. Yeah. Um, so, best actor, we've got Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic, uh, and Denzel Washington for Fences. Uh, Andy, what do you think? This is so hard. Coin yeah, flip between Denzel and Casey Affleck. Both should win, will win. Just two masterful performances by both of them. Although, I gotta say, um, finding out about Casey Affleck's personal life made me like that movie a lot less. And so if if I'm rooting for anyone, I'm maybe rooting for Denzel a little more. But, um, I, I, you know, if you take just Affleck's performance, it's absolutely fantastic and one of the best things. And, and so was Denzel. So Yeah. I'm going to go uh, that Denzel will win, uh, specifically for the fact that he directed himself. And of all the movies I've seen where the director is also the, the main character, one of the lead actors, uh, this is the best I've ever seen. I mean, he is, again, brilliant in this. Uh, it, it did help because he was on Broadway with Viola Davis for doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. But he is just absolutely perfect in this. Uh, at the same time, I do think Casey Affleck should win because the performance he gives in that is, you know, he's technically paint playing three characters. You've got the, the character before the tragedy occurred, right after when he's trying to rebuild his life and then you've got him later on going about life as a completely different person so yeah. I mean yeah, his, his personal life does put a damper on that but it doesn't change the fact that he gave probably the performance of his lifetime um, probably and, and I, I think he was 
amazing. So, again, if either one of those wins, I'll be happy, but uh, I think it should be Casey Affleck. I also think Ryan Gosling should have been uh, nominated for Nice Guys and not La La Land, but that's just me. <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> uh, so, two left. So, we got uh, Best Director, Dennis Villeneuve for Arrival, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, uh, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Uh, like you mentioned, Andy, this is La- uh, Andy. This is La La Land's year. Uh, I don't see any reason why they're going to pick him over anyone else. Uh, and honestly, he deserves it. Yeah, I, I think he will win. My pick would be Villeneuve for Arrival, just because I thought that was even more a brilliant film. And well, it's hard to say, like technically harder to pull off or not. He had a much more complicated story to tell. Chazelle had a much more personal story to tell that also had all of the technical elements of pulling off like giant song and dance numbers and, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So um, they're, they're both very hard. Um, I, I just, my, my heart's a little more with Arrival than with La La Land, and, but I, I can't say like, oh, well, it, it doesn't deserve an Academy Award. La La Land is the kind of movie like that is supposed to win all of the Academy Awards. So <laughs> well, it, it's also it's a, it's a love letter to Hollywood, so they they, they tend to indeed. like that. So. Exactly right, and and so and I can't fault them for that because there's something that we love about movie magic, and something that we love about you know just a simple love story between uh, star-crossed lovers who can sometimes be dicks to one another <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm with you there too uh damien chazelle from la la land should and will win uh and finally uh i think you can, you can guess where we're gonna go but for best picture uh mm-hmm. we've got arrival fences hacksaw ridge hell or high water hidden figures la la land lion manchester by the sea and moonlight Obviously, I'm going with La La Land for both will and should. Although, if for some weird reason they wanted to give it to Arrival, I'd be plenty happy with that, too. Yeah, I mean, half of these movies on here, if they if it actually did end up winning, I'd be like, good for them. Arrival, Fences. As much as I love Hell or High Water, I don't know if it, it quite deserves to win Best Picture for the year, but really amazing. Um, but Hidden Figures, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight all deserving of an Academy Award. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think La La Land's going to win. And um, my, if I were voting, I'd vote for Arrival, but that's me. And I'm yeah. good, so. And the one thing also going for La La Land is uh, not only is it a critical success and everyone seems to love it, it was, it made money. People actually went and saw it. I've had friends yeah. who, who you know normally don't care about the Oscars who are actually excited this year because they're like, oh, I saw this musical movie and I actually liked it a lot. And I, I, I'm actually interested to go see this. So the fact that not only is it a fantastic movie, but also has the public kind of behind it definitely would mm-hmm. you know, kind of help out. Because if you look at the last couple of years, I mean, no one went and saw Revenant. No one went and saw Spotlight. You know, we did. Yeah. <laughs> because we, we have to. Uh, yeah. And not saying that we were dragged to go see them. They were, they were great movies. But, um, yeah, this is, this is kind of the perfect storm for La La Land. So, um, Yeah. yeah. There you go. We got uh, you know the, the top ten categories. You know, there's a bunch of little stuff which you know we 
we'll all kind of be talking about on Sunday. Um, I know I'll be live tweeting it and being uh, sarcastic, and I'm sure Andy will have some things to say, so keep an eye on that. Uh, but yeah, next week we've got two movies for you. We've got a United Kingdom and Table 19. I have no idea what they're about. I've never even heard of them, so again, it's kind of nice to go into a movie being surprised, so we'll come back next week with those, but until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly, punk ass fly.